Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Constructor, a new podcast from Four Construction Pros, where we talk with the top decision makers in construction about the biggest challenges and stories facing everyone in this industry. I'm Wayne Grayson, the editor-in-chief of Four Construction Pros. Now, on this episode of Constructor, we're going to be diving kind of deep into technology uh, in the construction industry, specifically kind of the state of technology, where the industry stands on kind of technology adoption in general. Now, in my decade plus kind of covering this industry, being a part of this industry, I think the most constant question that I've asked both contractors and OEMs at this point is kind of where are you on con- you know construction technology? You know, what are you using? And kind of where is the rest of the industry, you know, by comparison in terms of their adoption and kind of like bringing that technology adoption to a larger scale. So I reached out to Scott Crozier of Trimble to have a, a, you know, a, a deep dive conversation on this topic. Now, Scott is the general manager of Trimble's civil construction division. And so he has a lot of really good insight. And we, we, we talked about the primary issue of kind of productivity and technology adoption, you know, how specific technologies like cloud computing, autonomy, electrification, and AI are going to impact the industry. And what is Trimble's role in shaping the future of construction through these technologies? It was a really great conversation. And, you know, what I think you should listen out for in this conversation is more around the, the importance of the various kind of platforms moving forward. Now, as Scott notes in this conversation, you know, Trimble started as a hardware company. Uh, but, you know, now they're in the process of building and scaling out and really refining a comprehensive services platform. And I think that you could say that about a lot of companies. I think you could say that about a lot of the heavy equipment manufacturers in this space as well. I think that's the direction that most of the companies in the construction industry are heading in general. So be sure to kind of listen out for that angle. This is Constructor, episode two with Scott Crozier. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Constructor. Now, um, I, I did kind of want to start off um, and I'll let you kind of introduce yourself uh, to the audience, uh, talk about your background a little bit, your career, um, and and also kind of um, yeah, w- what your kind of day-to-day responsibilities look like within Trimble. You are the, the general manager of Trimble Civil Construction. So yeah, kind of give us your background in the industry, your experience, and, and what your job consists of today. Okay, Wayne, thanks. Uh, first of all, great to be on the show. Um, absolute pleasure to be here. Look, I don't know how far you want me to go back, but if I, if I start on day one, I was I was born in Christchurch, New Zealand, um, so there'll be a little bit of an accent come across here. Um, I grew up on a sheep beef cropping farm on the Canterbury Plains, um, and before going back to the farm, um, my parents pushed me to go and get some additional education, I guess, and so um, I got interested in mechanical engineering and studied mechanical engineering at Canterbury University and um, instead of going back to the farm I enjoyed it so much that I actually um, looked to pursue a career in it. Um, I, after that I, I started uh, with Trimble uh, and to be honest Trimble is the only employer um, I've had in my professional career. started there in 1998 so just a, a little over 20, 22 years now with, uh, with Trimble. Um, I started there as a mechanical engineer in our Christchurch office um, developing agricultural product lines uh, but in 2002 um, I became part of the Trimble Caterpillar joint venture, and it, 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 honestly, it was a super exciting time in my career. And, and so, yeah, so I, that's where I built my passion for the construction industry. And I've been in that construction, working in the construction industry now, or technology for the construction industry for, for 20 years. Um, started as mechanical engineer, moved into product management, and in 2010, I moved to Chengdu, China, um, where I um, 
managed our engineering team over there where we were working on localized solutions for um, positioning of high-speed rail, uh, predominantly the slave chap construction. Um, after two years in China, I came back to Colorado, USA, and I've been working um, as, a, as product management roles and then just recently um, uh, the general manager of our civil construction division um, here in Colorado, uh, USA. So t tell me a little bit about that. Um, you know, I'm kind of interested, you know, your, your background there coming up uh, in, in New Zealand, kind of give everybody an idea of, of what uh, uh, of what growing up in New Zealand and, and from that agricultural background in New Zealand and maybe how kind of that that agricultural, maybe that the, the lifestyle of kind of, um, you know, of working a farm might be a little bit different than what we're used to here in the States. Yeah, I mean, it's to be honest, I, I actually see a lot of similarities between and I think this is why I like the construction. I have a passion for the construction industry so much that the, the people in construction and the people in agriculture um, are very, very well aligned. They're passionate about what they do. They're, they have the work ethic like like no one else um, and just really humble um, people. And I think it's just it's just a great group of people to be around. So I've, I have naturally. Um, you know, transitioned into into the construction industry. I do think that the can-do attitude, uh, we call it number eight wire attitude down in New Zealand. You can solve a problem with anything. You just got to be creative. I actually think that comes into play in the construction industry as well. And I, I think as, as being an engineer, that's what um, uh, helped drive me um, through the, me uh, the mechanical engineering portion of my career as well. We're looking for creative, innovative solutions um, to solve uh, customer problems. No, no, uh, Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, you, 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 you went to school for, for mechanical engineering. Now, was that, was that due to kind of like all of the, um, kind of experience or kind of time that you spent with some of the equipment, you know, on, on the farm at, at home? Tell us a little bit about that choice to go into mechanical engineering. Yeah, I guess I've been, I, I grew up on a farm. So you, 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 you're fixing motorbikes, trucks, cars, um, you know, your whole life, right? probably um, tore down a lawnmower at eight years old, put it back together. Um, there were times where I'd be taken out of school at 10, 11 years old, and I'd be helping uh, parents out with, with the harvest um, if, if their workers didn't turn up or anything like that, right? So um, learned to weld, I guess, probably eight, nine years old. So just there was mechanical nature was just was in the blood. And um, when there was opportunity, when I was told to go and Get another skill outside of farming um, after after high school. Well, mechanical engineering just became an obvious choice. Something I was highly motivated in, uh, highly motivated for. And um, yeah, just just as I got into it, um, the, the math was a little challenging at times, but the practical side of things and the design and the creativity was no problem at all. Yeah, no, engineering is something that has always fascinated me, but I just knew very quickly. I was like, no, nah, I, I, as soon as I got to college, I was like, whatever two classes I got to take to get those credits out of the way, <laughs> that's what, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Uh, well, cool. That's, that's, that's really awesome. I mean, like, um, I always, I'm always like super interested to hear kind of what, what kind of drew people in, into this industry. Um, now tell me a little about, you, you mentioned kind of like your, you started actually off on the ag side at Trimble, um, and then you, you moved to kind of construction, I think you said in like nine or, or 2002, um, as part of that, uh, the, the Caterpillar and Trimble kind of partnership there. Tell us a little bit about what it was like working, uh, at Trimble during that time and, and kind of what your role, uh, what, what you were kind of responsible for as part of that, as part of that partnership and, and, and remind everybody kind of, um, uh, how that kind of relationship got started and what, what it was kind of, uh, centered around. Yeah. Okay. So in, in 2000, well, in 1998, when I started, I started with the agricultural products. Um, honestly, 
Trimble was, was, was a hardware company. It was, it was based on GPS sensors, started back by Charlie Trimble um, just over 40 years ago now. And so when I, when I joined, it was you know, 20 years into making this GPS. And, and we were moving from a hardware company um, looking to apply the positioning technology to applications and workflows. Um, so agriculture was one of those industries where, where th there was a need. Um, what I was working on specifically was uh, steering guidance for tractors, right? And so coming from a farm, um, you know, it, it intrigued me. The technology intrigued me. But when I, when I talked to my parents and, and brothers that were working on the farm um, about this technology, they were like, well, I can steer a tractor straight. I don't need any guidance or any help, right, you know? And that sounds so familiar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it was fascinating to go from just this this, this light bar that we were selling um, uh, and, and putting on tractors now in, in larger farms, I guess, where you couldn't see the end of the row or there was no uh, nothing to kind of give um, lane guidance on or line guidance on. Um, then, then it did make absolute sense. On the smaller farms, um, you know, typically seen on the, on the Canterbury Plains, you could see the end of the row. You pick a fence post or a tree or some, something in the distance and you could get some guidance there. Um, anyway, we, we migrated from guidance only to auto steering. And when we did that, that's when it clicked. Um, you know, parents then could, and, and, and brothers then realized the power of where this technology was going. So that was in the, the early 2000s when we, we, we first started to, to get into the auto steer um, element. Um, just at, at, at a time, I guess, when I was um, uh, moving into, uh, I got moved into the construction side and we were looking to apply the same positioning technology um, onto the machine of a bulldozer. Uh, hence why we decided to, well, decided why the, the partnership with Caterpillar or the joint venture with Caterpillar um, was put together. So very, very early stages of machine control, um, taking a GPS receiver, an RTK GPS receiver that gave precise positioning um, on a survey rod typically. Um, instead of having stakes in the ground, we, we removed the stakes, put a digital design in the machine and gave direct guidance to the blade tips of a, of a dozer and, and then eventually um, other construction machines as well. Now, up until that point, um, had Caterpillar, had, had, were you guys kind of like that first partnership with, as they kind of moved into equipping, you know, machines with uh, with GPS? Yeah, so there was uh, a mining division, I guess, within Trimble that worked very closely with Caterpillar, you know, probably from 94, 90, yeah, 94 um, onwards, where we we were putting the GPS technology um, onto some of the mining machines and, and, and tracking and, and giving um, really just a bench or an elevation guidance, um, which was an important element um, in a mine. So it's, it, I guess it started um, informally, uh, potentially as a supply relationship back in 94, um, 2002, the decision was made to, um, to, to put, the, um, put the joint venture in place and we could see a huge opportunity ahead of us. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to me to kind of look back at all the instances of kind of like how, um, you know, I, I know we're, we're kind of talking about Caterpillar a little bit here, but like, yeah. it's just interesting to me how just kind of, um, you know, the, the mining kind of industry and kind of like how, uh, you know, how technology kind of hits there and then kind of scales down um, to, to kind of the construction. And that, that's kind of thing is still happening today with, with electrification, with automation and, and all the fun stuff that, that I definitely want to get into, um, in, in just a little bit, but, um, you know, I, and like I said, this, this is going to be a really kind of tech focused kind of conversation, but before we kind of get into some of the specific products, the specific kind of discussion around kind of like the current state of technology in the industry and kind of the, the future, I, you know, I, I kind of want to hear a little bit uh, of your take on the identity of, of Trimble today, because, you know, I, you mentioned, I had a question where I was going to ask 
something along the lines of, you know, does Trimble consider itself like a, a hardware company or a services company or, or whatever? And a lot of that, I, I, it's kind of a silly question just because, you know, today it's a little bit of everything. It's, it's, it's a technology company. Um, but the reason I was going to ask it is because is I do think it's so interesting to me how like basically every hardware company has had to become an everything company, whether it be, you know, software as a service or kind of cloud computing or connectivity and, you know, still making the hardware and trying to figure out how best to kind of integrate all of that within really well-made hardware. Obviously, you mentioned kind of like the GPS uh, innovation and everything that, that Trimble kind of founded itself on as as a hardware company. But, you know, Trimble is still focused on these industrial applications, um, and including construction. But like today, as, as Trimble has made that full transition from, yes, they, they make hardware, but I mean, there's so much just kind of looking at you know, the heavy industry site uh, for, for civil construction. There's a lot of talk about the connected site. And, you know, some of that is hardware, but a lot of it is is kind of figuring out the back end, right? The software, the network connectivity. So, you know, you know, today kind of looking at the company, what do you think are Trimble's, you know, core strengths? And also, you know, what do you think are the company's kind of ambitions in terms of, you know, actively ha- playing this role in shaping the future and the, and the kind of like technological foundation that the construction industry kind of sits on. Yeah, I mean, br- brilliant question. Well framed up there, Wayne. I mean, we've gone, we, we have exactly, like you say, gone from a hardware company, we were focused on just, just a positioning sensor and trying to get the most accuracy out of it. So then applying it to um, specific applications where we improve the efficiency of, of, of certain tasks, right? Um, the, the, the next step, and this is where the software comes into play, is actually the, the coordination, aggregation of the data, mining the intelligence and gaining efficiency out of complete workflow optimization instead of task optimization, right? So it's a, it, it might seem like a small thing. There's still a ton of value to be claimed out of that task um, improvement, um, assistance, automation. Um, but really, we see us migrating like that's If you look at the first horizon as being, you know, sensors, um, starting with GPS sensors, but 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 building on top of that to other 3D positioning sensors and um, other um, uh, other kind of um, positioning um, solutions that came into play. The next step was bringing on these task assistants and, and linking them together with with software and providing levels of automation. The third horizon is really this um, aggregation of data to deliver complete um, workflow optimization. And, and I say would say once you've got that workflow optimization it then leads to automation. And it's not just automation of, um, you know, of machines or robots, right? It's, it's, it's automation of some of the other processes that exist in, in play um, and, and, and how to truly optimize a, a project. And here, here's just an example, right? So today um, uh, in construction, um, a designer will design, you know, the project, the, the, the lay of the land, um, it then needs to go to an engineer to be checked and, and, and you know um, approved essentially, right? And then and then we actually have another step in here. We we go and take that that design and it goes into data prep so it can be built um, with with the technologies that exist today. If we could get to a point where we could shortcut some of those early steps in the process, the designer builds something that's truly constructible. Well, now you've really just saved a lot of time in that process. Okay, how do you get a designer? How do you give them the tools? So that they've got the the knowledge of the constructor, the knowledge of the engineer, so that um, very quickly we're, we're building something that is, um, you know, to an engineering uh, engineering um, uh, regulations um, as well as truly constructible. 
um, and then that model would then go straight into the field and, and be built. And in real time, you could be, um, you know, making the updates with the designer as it was being built potentially. So there's a lot of workflow optimization. That's only one one small element, right? There is all of the other coordination of materials and, and, and optimization of asset utilization um, as well that comes into play. Um, and now, I guess, maximizing or, or minimizing um, carbon footprints, maximizing the sustainability of, of the, the project and the process too. So there's a lot going on in here. Um, the next that, that phase for us is really about bringing all of that information together and, and defragmenting a fragmented industry or yeah, industries. I, I mean, that is, I, well, that example in and of itself is, is really fascinating to me because it, uh, and I'll, I just kind of want to for a second as a sidebar kind of dig into that specific example because it kind of sounds like, you know, essentially kind of creating some software, right, that would allow that designer to kind of be be able to kind of, kind of consolidate those kind of like steps that would te te technically be between engineering and design. Is is that kind of can and can you kind of connect that to kind of like the, the I guess the the power of software and kind of like some of the stuff that we're seeing the the the, the cloud computing that's kind of like really kind of taken everything by storm in terms of technology in this industry to. Because I think typically with the cloud, right, like in, in the past, it was just storage. But now there's just like so much power to be found on these server farms in terms of compute power uh, to where you can start building these these pieces of software that run, you know, uh, in the cloud and kind of empower the, you know, someone like a designer that doesn't necessarily know the code, uh, uh, the kind of like engineering code, or everything that yeah. would have to be done to the design to make it buildable. So talk a little bit about kind of that interplay there of, of cloud computing and kind of the, that specific example you were talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you're spot on the, um, I mean, when I say this, people think, oh, you're going to get rid of all the engineers. You're going to get rid of, you know, the the, um, the, the, the data proof guys. That, that's not really the case at all, right? It's just that um, it would be a far more efficient process if the designer was designing in a way that, you know, first pass through um, was, was much closer to something that could actually be built and something that, that met code. And if, if, if software had the intelligence built into it that could be provided by, you know, the engineers or the the constructor in such a way that as a designer was building, he would know, he, he, he would have the information required. Now that information actually comes from prior uh, prior developments or, or, or prior projects where we've collected that information. Um, we, we know what happened at the changeover from a designer to an engineer, um, so to speak, and then to the contractor. We know the typical things that when, it, when, it, when a contractor gets it and has to go and build it or during the project, the changes that, that are typically made, if that information was made available and, and ran as a check at the time that the designer was designing, then we start to close the um, loop on some of those processes and we get a, we, we get a solution um, out, the, out the other end faster um, and also without the, the number of change orders that are typically used in a, in a project today. Now, there's a whole lot that goes into making that happen, um, but the, it's really the, it starts with the collection of data. So you talked about the, the cloud really being a data storage area. That's true, um, and, but it's the, it's the use of that data, building intelligence from that data that's stored, which is this next phase that we're, we're in at the moment, right? Um, and of course, this is right at the very the, the, the very peak of the um, uh, the innovation cycle, I guess, and uh, when it comes to, to um, Machine learning and artificial intelligence are the two buzzwords that are used there, right? But you, you, you can't, you can't use, you can't have machine learning or artificial intelligence without data. You've got to start somewhere. And um, so 
the cloud has enabled the, the, the data capture. Now it's about um, building on top of that. We're in the, we're, we're starting that next phase right now. Well, yeah, and and I think that the right that that machine learning, the kind of cloud computing, the AI stuff, and that ability to kind of tie it all together. You mentioned yourself, kind of like the fragmented nature of the industry. I mean, if you just and I and I know that you're aware of this too, but like. If you, you know, just go to the to the civil construction site and you look at everything that you guys offer from, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of fleet tracking and machine control and kind of like uh, the software side, the surveying side, weighing and monitoring. I mean, like all, all of these different aspects that that you guys kind of like hook into in the industry. So when you talk about workflow kind of consolidation or workflow streamlining, it sounds like the big challenge that you guys are kind of like acknowledging and kind of facing head on kind of moving forward is the connection of those things. Is that, is that yeah. correct? Absolutely. And that, um, and I guess that takes us to this mindset of, you know, where is Trimble going? And the mindset is that, that, that we will be a platform company. And so this is the migration that we're on now, which when we think of platform, we think of, um, you know, an open solution that takes and aggregates data provides, connectivity for all elements of, of the construction industry, different phases and provides value and services on each of those phases to bring a, a level of intelligence or um, interaction, integration um, of, of each of the different phases. Now, my roots are in those solutions that you said, the point solutions of the weighing or the, um, you know, compaction, machine control, the surveying. Um, and and so of course that all plays a role in in the platform but the the problem is it's not just trimble's tools that need to be providing information in there we need it's a mixed world out there right we talk about mixed fleets there's also mixed technology fleets out there and so it's the aggregation of the data and there's some great work happening with um the iso committee at the moment to, to create a standard around um really the collection of the field tools and, and having data flowing not just uh, onto the into the field tools, but also getting data back out of them so that these platforms um, can exist and can, can holistically um, solve some of the industry problems. And um, I, I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but the, the you know, the, as we think of platform, the part, recent partnership with Microsoft, I know you were, you were going to ask about that at some point in time. Right. Well, that's exactly exactly where we're thinking, right? Um, how does Trimble get there? Trimble work with Caterpillar. I, I, I believe we we developed the best machine control system. So now we're looking to go to how do we create a cloud platform with one of the best um, cloud providers out there. And so uh, Microsoft saw some of the expertise that Trimble brings uh, from the construction industry and a level of technology. And so that's that that's what we're going to, to work on um, together. And that will be the next phase, I guess, of the um, Trimble um, Trimble's history um, that, that that that's being being created. And it's it's not just for construction. It's um, it, it's in all industries. We we I, I think. Um, you know, we look at transportation, we look at agriculture and construction, and they're all industries that are, that are much need of these, um, the, the, these platforms to bring everything together, connect and, and essentially defragment. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is really fascinating. I, I, and we're definitely going to talk about Microsoft in, in just a bit, because I, I think that it is fascinating to me. And I kind of wanted to set the table there with, with that discussion a little bit, because, it is fascinating to think about how it's not just Trimble, right, in the construction industry that, you know, the foundation is hardware, but more and more kind of like the future is going to be the platform. Um, it's not necessarily just the hardware anymore. 
Um, and, and I think that you've seen that not just from the technology side of things, but you've also seen it from the heavy machinery side of things, whether it's, you know, telematics or fleet management, or if it's machine control or just kind of like, you know, something as simple as this kind of move to, you know, uh, from, you know, uh, you know, fully hydraulic controls to electro hydraulic controls and automation, everything like that. All of that is just kind of moving everything more toward the service side and the providing, you know, streamlining things to where you're not providing just a machine, but you're providing like uptime, like a concept instead of just kind of like a product. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to get into that, but, uh, kind of one more question, uh, in, in kind of like the, at the beginning of this conversation, uh, <laughs> we're 20 minutes in, but we could talk about this stuff all day, but, uh, you know, just kind of, um, it, it would be a little weird here to kind of like look at the state of the industry and talk about, you know, the present and the future without kind of acknowledging the, the impact that obviously the, the coronavirus, uh, pandemic had on the industry has had on the industry really in the last two years. But, you, you know, um, we won't linger on this one too long, but I did kind of like want to, uh, you know, it's kind of an elephant in the room in terms of like, what, is, what is kind of the view on the impacts that, that, that this whole pandemic has had on the construction industry from within Trimble, you know, how, how has it impacted you, you know, your business? Um, and what have you seen kind of in terms of, you know, how the industry has adapted and is recovering? Because I, I asked this question because, you know, obviously a lot of what we've been talking about, the platform, what we're going to be talking about, I think a lot of the adoption of those types of things and the kind of the, the pivot toward those type of things probably accelerated a little bit. It's, it's in some part of the industry, uh, maybe accelerated a little bit in that direction during this time. Is, is that true? What have you guys seen? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely right. I mean, this the whole idea of, of being connected and, and being able to um, work, manage remote um, I, I guess in some regions around the world it existed. Um, in, in other regions, it was kind of like not, not really accepted practice. I needed to be on site. I needed to see it with my own eyes. So, so just basic things like um, taking the USB stick out with the data, just so that, that you could see what was going on the site. Now, when when COVID hit, it, there were mandates where it, it wanted you know that required people to minimise the number of people on site. So, if you're a site foreman or a supervisor. You were now managing remotely, no, no different to, to us actually working remotely. You know, we had office jobs, but working remotely as well, right? That actually applied to the construction industry. And people have got more and more comfortable um, with, with extracting information from the data that was available um, remotely um, and, and working with, with the staff that were on site remotely as well. And I, I think um, as we start to, 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 to talk a little bit more about where the, where, where the technology is going in the future, that this whole remote operation, I mean, you look at the um people that were working within offices and and then they moved to work from home and the, the in some ways the quality of life um increased during those times people don't want to go back to working in an office um you know on, on a typical basis right they want to be there maybe two three days a week i guess so there's going to be a hybrid model that exists i, I think in the construction industry when we look at specifically even just operators there's go there's potential that the the mode of operation for um uh, you know, for, for companies like Trimble or anyone working um, uh, typically in an office prior, we might see operators working remotely with their remote workstations or, or operator stations, right? Managing um, machines all around the world. And and this is, a, you know, something that I think without COVID um, might not have been seen to be acceptable, right? Um, but but now that we've, we've, now that the world's kind of got used to this remote operation and that it does work uh, and the technology is getting there to enable it, 
Um, and, and I would say even at the start of COVID, I mean, the number of Zoom calls that we were on, that people had issues with microphones and bandwidth and all that, have improved significantly. Well, that, that, that improvement in technology, rapid improvement in technology, the number of data centers that are being built now um, is going to enable the different modes of operation within the construction industry as well, not just at the at the platform and design op, um, owner engineer level, but also uh, in the field. And so remote operation is, is potential um, for, for certain projects um, and it will start slow like all, all technologies that gets adopted. Um, but over time, we, we are going to see more and more remote operation. There's no doubt about it. And and again, I think some people might hear this particular discussion in this larger conversation and kind of like, you know, maybe roll their eyes or, or something yeah. like that. But like, you, you know, I think the difference is that obviously this is not widespread. It's not happening, you know, no. on on the, the smaller end of things. This is happening with the, you know, the the larger you know, multi hundred million dollar revenue kind of come. And, and that's kind of like the case, right? With, with any of this, of the technology that you see, it kind of starts on kind of like the, 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 the larger scale companies and kind of eventually kind of trickles down is, do you think that that's what's playing out here? A lot of the stuff that you were talking about is kind of like that pivot has really, yeah. we've rounded that corner on the larger end of the industry, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And if I, if I look back to, you know, um, when we started machine control, it had been going for four years. Um, by the time we got to 2002, 2003, the adoption was was really low. And this was new technology um, 20 years ago, almost to the point where ah, this this might not might not take off. Right? Could have been it could have been killed at any point in time in those early years right. because the adoption was a lot slow. Even though we saw the value that was returning, the adoption was very very slow because it didn't make sense for all contractors or all projects. Um, creating models was was, was challenging. Um, and it just, just the change management and the change process was, was just, you know, um, uh, a, a lot to overcome by the cost was of the technology was high at the time. So it's taken 20 years to get to the point of the adoption level it is now, right? So when we're talking about these things of remote operation, we're thinking 20 years ahead to, as opposed to just two or three years, right? Right. Um, what I would say on the other end of the spectrum is labor, um, you know, Getting labor has always been challenging, but I think more so now than, than ever before. And what we're seeing is the adoption of technology to um, uh, to compensate for a labor challenge or labor shortages. And that's that's tr- trickling down at, at, at a greater rate than I ever expected into the some of the smaller projects, the smaller contractors. And honestly, I, I, I have a passion for the, the smaller contractors and the smaller projects that they're working on. And when I see them adopt technology and I see the rate that their companies start to grow at um you know people that start had one or two machines now have four or five machines they might have been five ton excavators and a couple of little skid steers or something now have dozers and 20 30 ton excavators taking on the bigger projects so right um, technology is definitely a part that, that that's enabled that as well i mean it, it is kind of incredible to kind of see the just kind of how quickly a business can kind of come to scale after that that initial kind of embrace or adoption of, of the technology and like to that point, I think it's really interesting because obviously, like I said, we've got the maybe the pandemic pressure or just kind of, you know, the, the that 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 flexibility that the larger companies with the larger revenue kind of had to be like, well, look, we were going to do this eventually anyway. Let's go ahead and make that pivot and kind of, um, you know, get into some of these technology solutions because it, it's it's not as big of a leap, right? They're already doing a lot of these things. They've been doing them for 15, 20 years. This is just another new technology that it's time to embrace. And so for the smaller guys, like you said, it might take that 10 to 20 year kind of period. But 
the other piece of that puzzle there or the other kind of like the pressure coming from the other end. So you've got kind of like the trickle down coming from the larger end to the smaller end. But now you've got this pressure that's kind of throughout the entire scale, like you said, of 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 just kind of how difficult it is to to find labor. And so, you know, I it's interesting with, with some of the OEMs to kind of hear right where all of this is always bookended with kind of, yeah, well, you know, 10, 15, 20, 20 years out. But if it, it does make sense today because of the labor shortage or because of, you know, maybe uh, I mean, there's like features now, like with technology where you can get in a given machine, kind of like program your best operators moves and then kind of like the next guy can get in there and, you know, just push the stick forward. And now it just replicates completely what that operator did. I mean, like that's that's kind of like what we're talking about in terms of like the power of of, of the technology and, and the automation. And so. I, I think that that is really kind of interesting to where now we fully have these pressures from the larger end and the normal trickle down rate. The labor shortage has really kind of like changed the conversation. And, 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 and because of the pandemic, the pandemic has accelerated not just the technology, but the concern of that labor shortage as well. Right. And so, you know, the next question that I wanted to get into you with was actually technology uh, adoption. So this was a really great segue, but like, obviously it's slower it's been slower adopted, uh, more slowly adopted in the construction industry than I than, than definitely other industries. I mean, you guys recently, in a, you know, you mentioned the Microsoft announcement. In that announcement, you guys mentioned this McKinsey and Company study that found productivity mm-hmm. in this industry has only grown one percent over the last twenty years. Now, the reason that is so concerning is because if you look at other industries, if you even just like agriculture or uh, in, any of these kind of like other industrial, um, you know, markets. You know, it, it, you mentioned like your your uh, your family. I can steer a tractor straight, but you know, twenty you know twenty years ago, but those same people now, like like that that adoption of kind of like GPS, you know, guided technology within within farming is is much more widespread throughout the larger and smaller end than say something like machine control or telematics has been in the construction industry. And as a result, like other industries and their adoption of technology, it's led to you know productivity growth of up to 3% while construction is still at 1% over the last 20 years. And you know, you look at one to 3%, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's, it, it is a lot whenever you start kind of scaling down and looking at like, you know, the, some, some folks that are kind of still bogged down and kind of like, you know, uh, they have a fully uh, paper process or uh, they're, they're not looking at some of these kind of like workflow efficiencies and digital design plans and stuff like that. Because like you said, the interesting thing is once they make that turn and they make that adoption, it's the productivity increases can have such a profound impact on the scale of that company and its ability to kind of grow and bid jobs and be competitive. Talk a little bit about that. Like, um, what do you think is kind of, um, what is your understanding of the state of technology adoption within this industry? And what are kind of the, the inherent challenges and kind of pushing that adoption further and kind of maybe getting this industry over that hump in terms of, um, in terms of greater uh, adoption of these, of these technologies. Yeah. I mean, my, my view, Wayne is, uh, I mean, technology has been adopted in the construction industry um, at, at a slow rate, but I would say maybe equal to the rate in which um, regulations and, and uh, 
uh, OSHA rules and, and you know, some of the, the the code changes that have come into play, that, they've put a burden on the industry, right? So the, so the rate that the industry has been burdened is the rate that the, the technology has been improving the productivity, right? So even just to, even just to remain flat in productivity of, it, of the output per person in today's, you know, in, in, in today's terms, um, probably not a bad effort. But I would say that we're probably at the end of that, um, uh, the, the burdening now of the uh, um, of, of the um, you know regulations that have been put into play, and we're going to now start to see this 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 uptick, right? And um, everything's getting safer, greener, you know, faster, better. Um, the the technology is is dispersing down into the into the mass market finally, right? Um, so so with the larger volumes, we're no longer the innovators. We we are seeing the innovators. Um, wanting more now, right? Because the, they, the first ones that adopted the technology um, really made some big gains and, and, and turned the profitability around in their, in their businesses. Um, but that's getting to a point now where the technology in a lot of areas is, is kind of commonplace. And so now they're, they're looking for the next level of differentiation and that's bringing process and, and, and workflow um, optimization into, into their business. So they're looking for tools to do that. Some of those uh, construction companies are, are working on that themselves. Others are looking for, for, for partners. Um, it's not made easy to get to the next step. And this is the thing about the innovative phase of that um, adoption cycle. The innovators, uh, just when they first started adopting machine control, it was not easy to get those benefits, right? But they, they got them and they, 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 they gained the, um, uh, the, um, the profitability you know, in the early stages until others caught up. So we've got that front end of the tail, I guess, uh, the, the, the front end of the curve that is out there looking to the, for the next gains that they will get within their business. And then we've got the others that, that really, I would say, we're just hitting the steep part of the adoption curve right now. And it's an exciting time to be to be around. Um, and I think COVID has even, has even driven that um, adoption curve up at a greater rate. Um, people coming into the industry have these technical skills and technical backgrounds. Um, it's just the generations that are coming into play, right? They've grown up with, with technology and, and using computers and software. Um, and so want to bring that into their, into their work as well. And so, um, yep, both ends of the curve are, are pulling in two different directions, right? Um, that there's still opportunity to make the adoption of the technology and, and, and processes a lot simpler than they are today for, for many of the um, smaller contractors. And then, of course, for the larger contractors that are looking for um, uh, insights into into how to run their operations better, um, there's, there's improvements and simplicity that needs to happen there as well. So it sounds like, I mean, from from you guys' standpoint, it sounds like you you guys feel really, and, I, and I've heard this from other from from some of the OEMs too, but they they feel pretty strongly that specifically that impact of of the labor shortage has had a a pretty profound impact on technology adoption. But it sounds like you're saying kind of that we are kind of rounding that corner and that that we're on kind of like the the upward kind of trajectory uh, of that curve but you guys are still trying to do as much work as possible in terms of easing that transition and and not just kind of leaving it alone say well you know take it or leave it you, you guys are still trying to recognize some of those kind of like difficulties or kind of like maybe the um, the kind of barriers to entry and still trying to eliminate those and smooth those out. Is that, is that correct? And what, what are some of those maybe specific barriers to entry that, that you guys are seeing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, great, great question. Again, um, the, the, the specific barriers, if you're a, if you're a smaller company, you don't have time to have someone on staff that just does, you know, your models for you, let's say, right. The challenge typically is someone that's out there, you know, in the field doing the work, doesn't have someone on their team that is building the model. 
And if you've got a small project, the time you build a model, set up the control base station, and then get it into the machine and, and then go and do the project, the time it took to get that machine set up with the, 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 the digital technology versus just using um, the conventional process is kind of outweighed on small projects. So we have to really um, find a way to improve that process. And, and of course, there's, there's businesses now that, that just that, that make models for a living, right? And, and so typically they'll, they'll do it on certain size projects. We, as, as the whole workflow um, uh, improves and, the simpl and we can bring simplicity into that workflow, then those model makers will start to, to work on smaller models that can then just be sent directly to a machine um, located on the machine itself, so no real control setup um, um, or just local, uh, very basic local control setup, but good enough for that type of project. Um, then we will start to see the adoption um, roll down. Now there are some some companies that are doing these smaller projects that have someone that is you know um, passionate about the technology, and so they put the effort in to make it work on these smaller projects. But that, unfortunately, that's not the masses. Again, that's the innovators right. um, in, in that segment. Um, and so the opportunity exists to go from the innovators in that segment, connect the model maker with the, let's say, the home builder for, for, for doing foundations or um, basements, et cetera, um, with the constructor. And if you can connect those three together, have a seamless process to get the model onto the machine, uh, then you can open up that market. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been a huge burden in the last 15 years on kind of like some of the IT professionals within this industry, right? You mentioned the innovators. And I, and I think that for the longest time, it was kind of like they would have to, you know, they see the benefit, they see the the kind of like potential of the technology. And then they kind of had to like go and evangelize to the, to the owners. Um, and so now I think what we're kind of finally seeing is kind of more of that real world connection and more of that confluence between some of the advance of consumer technology and the buzzwords that are, you know, between automation and electrification, everything are just kind of becoming more and more commonplace and more real for, for some of those customers that this kind of like, uh, kind of reminded me just kind of the, what, what you were talking about there in terms of smoothing those barriers of entry and kind of like maybe consolidating steps or removing maybe potential kind of, um, stumbling, potential stumbling blocks in terms of like a specific part of the process that they just can't justify, um, one of the cooler things that you guys have, have been working on in recent years now, uh, you know, last year you guys put out the, that new SPS 986 Rover, um, and kind of like when you pair that with the center point RTX system and that ability to kind of like eliminate a base station, which was, yep. you know, foundational talk a little bit about that and kind of like maybe how that is a part of that larger piece that you were talking about of just kind of how you guys are exploring, um, more of these ways to simplify and kind of uh, smooth out this, the whole kind of process of digital sites. Yeah, I mean, the, the RTX, the, the satellite delivered corrections, right? So you don't have to set up a local base station. Again, this, this technology has been around for a while, but it was at a level of accuracy that, that made sense for horizontal guidance or steering of an agriculture machine. It's now getting to a point where the, the performance of the, um, of the global correction um, solution, RTX, is, is now good enough for most construction projects. And so um, just just when you've got a global correction solution like that, and then you've got um, uh, a model maker where you don't, you know, you, you can take multiple steps out of the process, cost out of the process, and, and that then starts to open up these other opportunities. So um, you, you talk about the 986, it's got some tilt compensation with it as well. So again, little things like that, little improvements make, um, 
process improve the process and add efficiencies now there's there's concepts around well what more can we do now you tie rtx together you tie the silk compensation together what more can we do with it to to eliminate other solutions and open and, and again make that technology more available or more useful to to, to um, other segments of the market where today it's it's just more burden than than the outcome right so um we have some ideas around this one and, and you'll be seeing you'll be seeing more of it right um but but yeah this is uh, for me, this is this is what's exciting is is when there's these small innovations that when you put them together, they actually start to solve a problem. No one innovation alone typically solves the problem. It's it, it's really when you piece many of these innovations together, that's when you can really crack open you know certain segments of the market and you see that acceleration. Yeah. So um, that's well, that's. that's I think what's interesting too, from, from you guys' perspective is just kind of like there is, you, you mentioned kind of like where you're looking to eliminate some of the bulky solutions, right? And it's interesting to hear like a company talk about like, okay, how can we get, how can we get rid of things that we've sold in the past? But I think that that's kind of uh, emblematic of kind of like the, the importance of, right. You mentioned before the platform itself kind of, kind of moving forward. Um, but, you know, we, we've been talking about a, a lot of this stuff and what all of the things that we've we, we, we've talked about, the connectivity and, and some of the stuff that we'll touch on here near the end. But um, all of it requires a network connection um, out, out at, at, at the job sites. And, you know, uh, we won't spend too much time on this, but I did kind of want to I think that that is kind of like another interesting kind of barrier of entry kind of moving forward is kind of. You know, how much progress have we made on the job site in terms of making sure that there's infrastructure in place or, you know, the the ease of getting contractors, you know, Internet connectivity, network connectivity and network infrastructure on a job site? Um, I know that there's, you know, various solutions in other companies that, you know, contractors can kind of work with to kind of outfit a site. But do you think that that's still kind of like a, a pretty big problem? And, you know, if, if you want to talk about... I don't know how close we are, but like, uh, if you want to talk about 5G, because that was another kind of little buzzword that we can kind of throw in here. But like, if anyone, if you guys have ever been on a 5G, and I'll just throw Verizon's name in here, but a Verizon kind of like 5G ultra wideband network, it, and and you kind of go to, you know, do it, run a speed test on your phone. I mean, I was in Las Vegas just a couple of weeks ago, and I was getting two gigs down on my phone with like one gig up 500 you know meg to one gig yeah. up which is kind of like which is bandwidth that actually is just kind of mind-blowing to see because you're just kind of like that is so much bandwidth and the the potential for kind of like low latency networking and we were talking about remote operation and how big latency um, is on that application and others but yeah like we we see the future. It's like there. We we can almost kind of put our hands on it, but it just that that network needs to be built out. Um, obviously, because it's like especially ultra wideband is basically like almost like a city block in terms of reach. But <laughs> what do you kind of see as like the, the the? It's just such an interesting time because we can see that future and it's like right there, but we're just not there yet in terms of build out. How big of a problem is build out? How big of a problem is kind of like that that network connectivity? on a job site and and that barrier to entry for you know using fully connecting and making a digital job site in your eyes yeah it's, i mean it, it, it's still a challenge right and the, the reason i say it's 
I mean, if, you, if you're in Europe, and there's a lot of areas in Europe where they won't use anything but cellular for, for corrections. So instead of streaming with a local base or a radio or satellite delivered corrections, everything is streamed over cellular because it's that good, right? So wow. in, in certain pockets around the world, um, they've got the infrastructure there. Now, you come to some, some bigger countries like the US or Australia or whatever, there's, there's obviously pockets where the coverage is just not there. And part of the challenge is now, if, if, if most of your projects are in, in, in coverage um, and, and, and some aren't, that means that there's certain times, if, you, if you've come up with a plan or a process around basing everything on being in coverage, then you take on 20, 30% of your projects that have poor coverage or spotty coverage, or if that coverage goes, uh, the connection goes down at any point in time, then you can potentially shut the project down, right? So right. It's, 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 while there's a lot of coverage and, it's, and when it is working, it's really good in, in, in you know, places like the USA, when it's not working, it's a problem. And now you've got to weigh up. Do I have a, two different processes that I have for do, two different projects or sites? Or how do I bring an in infrastructure to make this one work? Um, uh, you know, a, a site work that, that doesn't have connectivity or reliable connectivity. Um, so what we're looking at is at the moment, it's going to take time to get built out. Whereas a contractor, you can 100% rely on um, um, you know, high-speed high connectivity, the, the, the kind of data rates that you were talking about. So we talk about partially connected sites. And, and the focus is we believe that you can get close to 100% of sites partially connected. And if we plan around that um, and, and manage sites in that way, then I think we have a, we, we help accelerate the adoption of the, the, the true connected construction um, outside of these, you know, these countries or regions where they are, um, you know, have, have strong, um, network maps, I guess, or strong connectivity populations. Um, so yeah, so if we can if we can focus on a partially connected site, which means that you don't have to be permanently connected and have um, streaming capabilities at all times, then I think we're going to end up being more uh, more successful um, in in increasing the amount of uh, the amount of connected sites we run. And then of course over time, um, it will catch up where the the coverage of these high bandwidth um, uh, networks, you know, 5G you talked about, but there's LEO, um, you know, the, the, the low orbiting um, satellites as well, that, that that will have some kind of level of connectivity coming through, right? But we've been talking about that for a long time too. That's true, that's true. Still, still haven't seen that. So at some point in time, we do see that. And that's when you, you know, that, that's when it, it'll, that'll be another game changer, right? But until then, um, you have to work off the lowest common denominator. Um, and so, so this, this, term of partially connected um, for many contractors is going to be the way to go. Of course, there will be um, contractors that want to work in a, in a fully connected environment and you'll get the benefits of it, the real-time um, um, the real-time benefits um, of seeing what's going on on site and, and, and streaming of the levels of data that help you make these, um, uh, th these decisions that you, that you might not have made, you know, five, six days later because you didn't have the data in, in a timely enough fashion. So, um, yeah, sorry, a little bit, a little bit long-winded there, but um, it, it is a big problem, and um, yeah. we're, we're figuring out ways, I guess, to work with what we've got until um, until the promise becomes a reality. Right. Yeah, I I think that there's several. I mean, I, I especially with like um, I think electrification, automation. Those are other another two kind of like yeah. it's like right there. We're like on the cusp, and there's just like certain problems that have to be kind of solved before they can move forward. And yeah, I think technologically we are in kind of like a a frustrating time uh, in in general because compute power and silicon has has advanced so rapidly. 
um, to, to the point where things are like almost possible. Um, and then there's just kind of like certain infrastructure things to, to work out or supply chain issues to, to work out until we can fully take advantage of it. But I think, again, that kind of uh, really stresses the importance, again, of of cloud compute of, of machine learning and, and, and AI to where you can limit the need for full-time connectivity, um, and kind of, you know, offload to the cloud, let the cloud compute and then kind of like pull back down kind of, um, everything else. So, um, you know, like with that in mind, uh, it's a good segue for talking a little bit about this, this, this new strategic, uh, partnership that you guys, you know, you, you know, partnership. I mean, Microsoft is not a stranger to, to you guys. You guys have worked on various things with them in the past, including kind of like the HoloLens kind of yeah. uh, AR experience and and kind of modeling and kind of digital kind of design that 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 you guys were working on with them. So, you know, they've kind of seen you guys as as kind of like a, a really good partner and a kind of kind of a leader in the construction industry in general. But you, you know, this is kind of like a, a new strategic partnership that's that's kind of um, that's more built around the cloud and more built around kind of like this whole job site connectivity thing that we've been talking about. Tell us a little bit about uh, the background on that on that partnership and kind of like the nature of it and what what Trimble is kind of like hoping to, you know, why why Microsoft is such a good partner for what you guys are hoping to kind of get out of this uh, relationship. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, as, as you mentioned, we've been working with Microsoft for, for a number of years. Um, partnerships been really great. They've been a really good partner. It's, we've seen um, you know continued growth in the adoption of, of the technologies they you know they introduced. Um, we put them into the construction industry. Um, so industries that 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 they um, didn't necessarily have the the expertise to to get into to start with, right? And then so they've, they've worked with us. We've developed the solution together. Um, now that's point solutions based around augmented reality and mixed reality. As we look at the cloud platform, obviously, I mean that that's a significant strength of theirs, and they've got a whole lot of services um, that is part of that cloud platform. That Trimble, without partnering with someone like this, would, would be looking to either develop ourselves, and, and again, that some services that are not necessarily our strength. Um, um, so we we see it as a way to accelerate. Um, um, our solutions and there's so much to do. There's so much opportunity and, and um, technology that can be applied to the industries, agriculture, construction, and transportation. That trying to do everything ourselves, we, we we just we, we'd never get there, right? So I think we're going to see, you know, across all of these industries, people coming together, players coming together, and finding ways to partner where they bring their core strength and 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 find ways to work with each other. So I'm more an open and collaborative kind of environment instead of a true competitive environment right and i right. I, I when you get that mindset um the it's amazing what, what things can happen in the speed that they can happen with now you know there's these the african proverb right it's like um go fast alone or go far together um i i think that's almost changing when now it's once you've got the foundations there uh you can go fast and far together right um if you if you collaborate with the right partners so this just a couple of services right that that, that we'll just talk through here um levels of machine learning so you bring data in uh, vision data from around the sites um right they they have services that process that data and and create um you know um information from from all the images that that could be captured on site now okay what, what do you do with those images that that would be something that then trimble can bring some um knowledge and capability in and turn it into um uh, actionable insights or information um, for the, the contractor itself or a designer or an engineer 
Um, so really the benefit we see is in leveraging a cloud platform and, and it, it, there's more and more processing movement to the cloud. We still need edge on the construction side, but at some point in time when the connectivity gets to um, you know, to the right point, then, then a lot of that edge computing on site will actually be done in the cloud. Um, and then again, that opens up for greater levels of autonomy and um, um, networking um, uh, of, of various assets around the site. Um, and then the other thing is, is the, the go-to-market um, that Microsoft has globally, um, you know, that they have experts in bringing levels of, of, of complicated integrated software um, into um, businesses and industries today. And, and so we see uh, some potential opportunity there as well. So um, accelerating the, accelerating the, 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 the move to cloud and the, the capabilities we need to bring um, workflow optimization and, and even process optimization um, into the industry as well as um, delivering it to the industry through to, you know, through a, a combined go-to-market approach here. That's yeah. I mean, like, um, and and again, kind of like it. It I kind of wanted to save that for the end because I felt like the larger conversation, kind of like that piece, makes a lot more sense when when you kind of uh, again we we talked about kind of strength of the platform and kind of like how important that's going to be moving forward. The connectivity piece, the cloud compute piece, the you know the AI piece, and just kind of like. That is, you know, between Azure uh, and kind of like the the cloud computing and the Microsoft cloud, and just kind of like you know their 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 expertise and the power that they kind of bring with cloud compute and cloud services, and just um, all of that makes uh, a whole lot more sense in terms of kind of supercharging, you know, what you guys are kind of doing moving forward. And and um, kind of to to finish up here, um, uh, I, I did want to ask you uh, the the last kind of question I wanted to ask was given everything that we've talked about um, in this conversation in terms of, you know, the technology in the construction industry, what is, is there a specific technology uh, that, that you are kind of most excited about or that, you know, that, that you guys are working on, or maybe it's still just kind of like a, a concept uh, or something like we were talking about before that is it's in reach, but maybe it's not quite there yet. But what, you know, what technology are, are you uh, most excited about Scott and, and, and what, you know, or or what technology do you feel like could be the most transformative for this industry? I guess in the near term. Yeah. So Wayne, um, what technology excites me the most? I would. Say, I mean, there's a number of little innovations out there. You know, from augmented reality um, to elements that's going to enable autonomy. And I, I really think that the perception system um, on machines is going to um, collect data and, and, and enable data capture in a, in a way before that we've, that's, that's not been possible, right? We talk about drones and we talk survey points, but drones, you, you capture information um, at a given point in time, good, rich information, but only for a short period. Of, uh, at one point in time, you then um, have survey points where we capture a single point at different times during the day. We have machines that are capturing information as, as they're driving around. But when we get real rich um, perception systems on machines and that data that flows into the crowd into the cloud um, and then it's so it's a combination of the perception or data capture on site with the um, the cloud computing and, and and obviously high bandwidth connectivity and then the level of intelligence um, and machine learning that we can apply um, to, to the combination of all the data that's happening on the uh, on a site with information on how to optimally move material around a site um, and then giving that intelligence either back to the machine, so the operator machine, or eventually that enabling full automation of those machines. So a number of 
key innovations, I guess, that ultimately um, come together and aggregate to, to deliver really, I guess, the next transformation um, of um, of the industry. Um, but really, that's that's not going to happen, you know, in large quantities or large volumes um, for, 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 for many, many years. Um, but we are on the cusp of that next level of transformation in the industry. What, what, and what do you kind of think is, is specifically um, the, the result of that kind of um, that capability? You, you know, because uh, uh, basically it sounds like to me the, the whenever that vision of kind of like the platform that, that you guys are, are trying to kind of not create because it's already there, but that you're you're trying to kind of like uh, kind of like fully see out um, and kind of build out and scale out when that platform takes hold that's where the potential to kind of transform is. But what do you think is going to be like the, let's say the, the, the medium sized contractor, what do you think is going to be the impact for those smaller guys, the small and the medium sized guys out there and, and their business? Um, how is it going to transform them and their capabilities? Yeah. So I, I mean, really that's, that's about connecting for me. It's, it's about connecting, um, uh, the owners with the, with, with the designers and having the designers Build something that is just constructible with the contractors, um, and getting really getting that information to the machine um, as, as quickly as possible. I, I, I see innovations um, around as hardware reduces in cost, and it is rapidly reducing in cost as more um, more capability gets kind of um, condensed into a really a, you know single single solution. So. Components that you, you know, for a system you used to have five or six different components um, go into to solve a problem is now integrated into one component. No different to the iPhone, really, with everything they crammed into that back in in, in two thousand and what, uh, mid two thousand ten seven somewhere around there. Um, yeah. But but I would say yeah, getting technology, getting the cost down so that it just is ubiquitous on all machines, and then the um, and then having it so that. It, it can be useful for these um, small, medium contractors. That really is is where the um, uh, you know the, the thing that excites me the most. And obviously, Trimble's looking at solutions um, that will get to um, get to a point where we can we can see that that it makes sense for um, a majority of machines out there to come from factories with the technology ready enabled um, with um, some form of. Uh, it'll move to a subscription model where um, you, you you pay for the technology when you want to use it or when you need to use it, um, and then um, and and then when you're not using it, you're not paying for it. So, I I think again, multiple innovations there. There's not one that really just drives it at me. It's a whole lot of these things coming together um, to to enable um, uh, more contractors out there to to get access to um, to, to technology. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think again, I mean, it, I think uh, it, it kind of nicely wraps everything up because basically this whole conversation has really come back to the platform, um, the platform as a whole. And and kind of like, you know, uh, I, I think construction I, and it's not just a construction technology companies, like I said before, the OEMs are kind of like rounding that corner too, to where everything is kind of becoming more of a of a service rather than um uh, or, or at least kind of like the combination of many parts instead of just, just hardware or just software or the kind of the individual pieces that kind of make up the full kind of platform and, and product offering. So, I mean, it's a really, really interesting time. Uh, Scott, that's, uh, 
I, I'll go ahead and, and, and wrap this up uh, here. But man, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. It, it really is a fascinating time, not just obviously in for technology um, uh, right now, um, but but for specifically how technology is really kind of like intersecting with with the construction industry right now. There's a lot of really cool stuff to kind of look forward to and a lot of really cool stuff right now to kind of take advantage of and for contractors to to get their hands on. So uh, thank you so much for for taking some time out of your day to talk uh, to talk to us here on Constructor. Um, and yeah, man, uh, uh, be well. And, and thanks again. I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate you having me on the show. Um, fascinating to chat through this as always. And I mean, yeah, I, I, there's a there's just so I mean, I'm so excited for it, what the transformation that this industry is going to go through, both at the at the high end and then again at the um, at, you know as, as we progress and um, technology gets adopted at the um, at, at the lower levels of the um, the market as well. So, absolutely. Fun, Thanks again, fun, Scott. Fun times ahead. Thanks, Wayne. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up this episode of Constructor. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you again to Scott Crozier of Trimble for hopping on and having such an awesome conversation. Um, we've got more interviews on the way. All of them are focused on kind of the pressing topics in construction with guests that know this industry best. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And we'll see you in the next episode.